Do you expect me to talk? No, Abhin. I expect you to record. <laughs> On that note, welcome, <laughs> welcome to episode fourteen of Two Please. I am your host, Shetty Abhin Shetty. I am joined by my co-host, Rao Rohit Rao. Oh my God! <laughs> as far as okay. cringe-worthy, cringe-worthy intros go, that's possibly <laughs> as cringe as it possibly yeah. gets, <laughs> but appropriately cringe. Appropriately cringe because we, I mean, on this episode we are discussing the not so cringe Bond, the Bond that ended up being a lot more brash, a lot more rugged than his predecessors. I am of course talking yeah. about Daniel Craig and his Bond run from 2006 to the present. Join us. Let's start the show. Because he was such a big hit the last time he was on the show, we had to bring Sid back for this episode. Because I know, I know Sid. I've known him for a long while. Daniel Craig is kind of what brought us together as friends all the way back in in two thousand five. So you're going to hear him floating in and out of the episode, offering his thoughts on the four Bond films. He is probably not going to stick around for the Bond theme songs, which we've ranked in the in the final segment of this episode. But definitely, his thoughts on the Bond films are. Probably going to be a lot more different than what you'd usually expect from me and Roth. On this week's episode, we're going to discuss the four Craig Bond films. We're going to talk in detail about each film, what our thoughts and opinions on those films are, what we liked, what we disliked, even what some of our favorite Bond songs uh, or themes have been in the la- over the last twenty odd years that we've been on this earth. It's going to be a fun, heavy Bond-themed episode, and we've always wanted to do something like this. So I promise you a good time. So growing up, I've always, always loved the James Bond franchise because throughout my life, at some point in time, it has represented the kind of film I've enjoyed watching. Maybe growing up, I was a big fan of Roger Moore's cartoony Bond because it. Let's be honest, late later era Roger Moore Bond was just pure. Uh, Saturday morning cartoons, but in like <laughs> it was already Austin Powers. <laughs> it was yeah, and then uh, there was of course the style. There was like there was a suave representation in Pierce Brosnan as well. I called him almost called him James Brosnan. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> James Bond. And, uh, James Bond traditionally never broke the sweat. Yeah, and that's what. And I think with Brosnan, they tried. They really tried to uh, make him that the version of Bond that. Craig now is famous for. Also, Brosnan had a strangely hairy chest. Yeah, I do. I I think all Bonds had very hairy chest, and then it was Craig who initially did the whole yeah. completely yeah. like shaved and no wax. And like Brosnan was skinny, and I was like, okay, very weird. I don't know why. Uh, But I feel he he looked more like Bond than anybody else. Uh, of course, there yeah, was Sean. The the Bond that was the caricature of what Ian Fleming wrote. I feel. Yeah, and I I think Connery's Bond was like. 
slight was this rugged often misogynistic human being uh yeah. that and roger moore's bond was just i am here somebody tell me what the script is i'm going to figure this shit out that and try to bring some theatricality to it and some seriousness to it and some gravitas uh, yeah exactly and they kicked him out for it lazenby's bond is like kind of holds a special <laughs> <laughs> a special place in my heart wasn't lazenby australian he was yeah yeah like he's not even british i don't know what you're trying to obviously it wasn't going to work No I th- and so Lazen uh, so Lazenby was on her Majesty's Secret Service and it has possibly one of the best jokes in the Bond franchise where it opens up with him on a beach and he's chasing this lady and she runs away from him then he turns to the camera breaks the fourth wall and says this never happened to the other fellow and then it cuts to credits <laughs> <laughs> even they knew <laughs> but actually i mean i kind of like on her Majesty's Secret Service i think it was the closest we had to Christina Royal as a film back in the day like none of them were as serious or like none of them had films where bond had a love interest that kind of really mattered to him uh, and of course like and uh, doesn't he get married in on a yeah he does married. yeah so I, i'm i'm not quite sure what the character's name was but it's played by Diana Rigg who was famous for playing who in our current generation uh, we we famously know her as uh, Olena Tyrell from the Game of Thrones series passed away recently as yeah. well um but yeah uh, what is your history with bond how did you get into the franchise and uh oh, my dad's a huge bond fan mm-hmm. like a huge bond fan he had back when he was a, uh, i wouldn't say kid he was maybe our age or slightly younger mm-hmm. they had uh, uh these not even video tapes used to get uh, what are those huge discs you said laser discs laser discs yeah so laser discs and sometimes vhs tapes he had the entire collection uh, bond collection at home then when we were in dubai we used to get those fake cds with 5 to 10 mm-hmm. movies on them he had the collection on that and like strange bit is his favorite bond is roger moore which i absolutely do not understand how can unless he ironically means it i don't know which i don't think he does uh, i mean if that's the bond aesthetic you like like i don't know but anyways uh, his opinion apart i know he's a huge bond fan and uh, obviously until i had watched the craig movies my favorite one was sean connery classic answer i mean yeah 8 out of 10 people will probably would have probably said sean connery uh, but then once i watched casino royale because i felt like you said right until that point if you take diana the diana the day which is the movie before casino royale mm. uh, bond had become is a slick emotionless cold sort of untouchable indefatigable protagonist who just slid through the movie and like no emotional attachment no underpinning he's just you know going through the motions but in casino royale you really see that there's a major shift in the trajectory of the character i feel mm-hmm. so that kind of uh, also renewed my interest in the bond franchise i, I began to because last few movies i was just like you know what i don't care but uh, yeah so i think we should get into the uh, the filmography of the guy who made us fall in love with bond once again Yeah. So a lot of people I mean I think it's quite famous now with regards to Craig being cast as Bond he wasn't the first choice for the role I think as a matter of fact it came down to him and a fairly young Henry Cavill at the time because yeah. Cavill had was just breaking into Hollywood and it seemed like he was destined for the Bond role because he had everything he was 6 foot 1 uh black hair good looking uh 
built like a truck yeah all the works right and then but somehow uh, i think uh, barbara broccoli and her team decided that craig was the way to go and there was quite an uproar when he was cast because bond is many things blonde and blue eyed is not one of them and yeah. he was notoriously short for a bond he was what five craig is 510 no bond has ever been below 6 feet it was almost like uh, a, a prerequisite for any of the actors that had to play bond so it was in 2005 2006 it was quite the uh, the shock to the system especially if you were uh, a bond fan but that being said um i think with the film that he got a lot of the other bond actors would have craved for a, a debut for their character in a film like that because uh, kishnara wrote in in 2006 and it was directed by martin campbell who had previously directed golden eye golden this was his second shot at directing a bond film and in my opinion kishnarayal is possibly one of the best if not the best bond film of all time yeah i would probably put in the same tier as so there is for me the the tier that kishnarayal shares is with uh, golden eye and skyfall hmm possibly and and maybe one of the country movies maybe dog goldfinger goldfinger is uh, for me i think it actually uh, yeah. i i enjoy goldfinger and from russia with love a lot and they are two of my favorite bond films so uh, with that said i just want to ask you uh, what are your favorite uh, craig bond movies what do you love about bond movies what are your thoughts craig's bond is something that i'm very very close to uh, not not in the sense that i love it extensively but it's one of those areas of pop culture that is you know a, a part of the family in a sense something my dad enjoys as well um Uh, having said that okay historically through the bond films one thing that i think interests me not just is the craig bond ranking but also in overall bond rankings most of the people i know have surprisingly consistent tastes um and uh, you know i largely agree i think uh, uh, the top 3 for me okay of all the bond movies would be um a casino royale number 1 i mean is it it's not just my favorite bond film it is one of my favorite action adventure films of all times period um it's just something i have seen many many times and it took me a long time to get bored of it it's something i love like i love it at a level i think maybe equal to indiana jones you know i mean uh so or maybe a level below that i'm not sure but for me it's right up there the other two would be golden eye and goldfinger you know and between the two you know i don't have a particular order because i personally enjoy golden eye a little bit more um but the soundtrack man i mean golden eye was so good there was sean bean this alan cumming this I mean what's not to like but then the soundtrack ah and it's also a Martin Campbell film right like I I am amazed at how underrated Martin Campbell is Golden Eye Casino Royale uh The Mask of Zorro Vertical Limit one of my favorite like one of my favorite movies just because the the mountains and the climbing uh but apart from that Goldfinger going back I think is something that interests me a lot more because I'm not traditionally I'm not a huge fan of the old bond I watch it very ironically most of the time although you know that doesn't mean i think it's bad i i get it if somebody has grown up on it for me that fascinates me like what is it that people who take it at face value like about it but goldfinger from russia with love two movies that do give me a sense of like how much 
I mean, still the overwhelming sense of how much fun this is. And I still, you know, apart from Craig, I would I would still be very interested in finding out, is Bond supposed to be anything more than fun? And um, I'm at a loss. I mean, I'm not watched them enough times, probably. But I, I know Bond films are something I think I will be watching, you know, uh, when I'm 40, when I'm 50, probably. So plenty of time to get to that. Um, Roger Moore, of course, I mean... Uh, some of the Timothy Dalton films I've watched lately again on TV because it's always there on movies now and um, they they are again I, I have a soft spot for Timothy Dalton you know because of the because he tried to do the whole gritty thing in a way you can say long back so what we'll do now is we'll rank the four Bond films that are currently out uh, based on just how much we've enjoyed them four will be our least favorite and the first will be our most favorite um, so I guess we'll start with number four. Number okay, four. So num- number four. Spectre. Spectre. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, <laughs> so why did you not like Spectre? Oh man. So Spectre came out 2015, directed by Sam Mendes, who had also helmed Skyfall. I had, see, I, I from the trailers and from just generally promo material, I kind of braced myself for a bond that was going to be slightly more traditional than what the Craig Bond films had portrayed over the last 10 yeah, years. Yeah. Because he was standing in, like the promo material has him standing in uh, in a white suit with, with a red flower holding a gun, very much like mm-hmm. from, Russia, from Russia with Love, right? Which is, which yeah, is the poster yeah. for that film. I, I saw Monica Bellucci was in the movie, Christoph Waltz was in the film, and he plays a guy called Franz Oberhauser, which... It's the most like menacingly Austrian name you can come up with. Yeah. Franz Oberhauser, who is the head of the organization Spectre, that has been causing Bond so much grief ever since he stepped mm. foot in Montenegro years ago. But given the stakes, given what happened, I just felt that this was a Bond film that went just a bit, that overstayed its welcome, really. It, it wasn't necessary, especially for the arc that Daniel Craig's Bond was on. It felt more like fluffing. It felt like a lot of fan service that was being paid to the franchise. When I watched the movie in the theater, I was having fun with it because I was picking out reference, 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 reference. That is a fight sequence with uh, Dave Batista on a train, which is again very reminiscent of the fight sequence from you know from Russia with Love. There is um, there are hints to odd jobs. Though I was very uh, I was very disappointed with the way they used Batista in the movie because. That is exactly how you would expect Hollywood to use somebody like Batista mm-hmm. if you wouldn't know the acting talent he has. Like when wrestling stars transition to cinema, this is exactly the kind of shallow two-bit roles that mm. they usually do in, in large-budget movies, which, I mean, Batista has so much more to offer. Why would you uh, do him dirty like this? I think Batista, in terms of, uh, I mean, obviously, he's he has a cameo in later in 2049 I think he's far more yeah. utilized in that movie than he is in uh, Inspector Inspector I feel he's just used as more of a means to an end yeah. Monica yeah. Bellalucci is in this movie for a, a hot second she's there and then she's gone and Craig for the first time in the franchise's history or at least his run in the franchise looks completely disinterested he yeah, feels yeah, like exactly. he does not does not want to be there. He feels 
he's like he he kind of wants to get out but the studio keeps throwing money at him and forcing him to stay <laughs> so he's like you know what i i don't care i might as well just wing this till uh, this thing bombs and they replace me with somebody else which and, is and a I, difficult problem to empathize with i mean oh man so sad you you're getting paid to <laughs> do a role that you dislike you're getting paid millions i, I mean i'm sorry i find it hard to feel bad for you but okay <laughs> but i think physically also has been very demanding of him because he's got to be in yeah, shape that i'm sure uh, and uh, the role has notoriously caused him to break quite a few bones in his body uh, in, yeah. in the past but i must say specter's opening sequence is possibly one of my favorite bond opening sequences because it's set during uh, a celebration of the day of the dead and, and it's a one hour right it's it's, it's a one take shot yeah, that, yeah. that follows bond as he's uh, f- trying to find this agent in uh, somewhere in mexico city if i am not mistaken sure samand is i'm sure that then samand is got the idea for 1970 yeah it's just, like just wait <laughs> hear me out <laughs> this is this is the this is the proof of execution now we can go yeah. on and make a full goddamn movie out of it and visually i think yeah for all of its faults visually spectacle is every bit as amazing as uh, skyfall mm-hmm. yeah so I think visually I have no complaints with with Spectre and I think even as a Bond film that I can just plug in and not have and keep on as background noise it serves its purpose I guess but there's little to nothing that comes out of the film even the big reveal at the end uh which everyone and everyone scat saw coming wink wink uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um it's just so is such a letdown it's like what was the point in hiding it because we because it's just one of the, it's like uh, benedict cumberbatch's khan situation right where in star trek into darkness a very similar uh, situation a very similar thing unfolds here as well so it it didn't really make me feel anything i i hope to see that character back in more films i can because uh, of of the history that the character has but yeah. uh, we'll see also yeah no. him and leah sero make no i mean they have no chemistry at all i don't blame her i don't blame him i just believe ever since westerland there is uh, set sets the bar nobody's been, nobody yeah. has been able to rise to the occasion this oh mm. using bond puns are we <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, i think the the reason i also dislike the movie is exactly what you said right uh this is the bond movie you can this is the craig movie that you can watch when you don't really want to be invested in what's happening you want an easy watch where you can just breeze past the movie which is not what great craig movies were like the the previous three movies even quantum of solace for that matter does make you care about what's happening to him and uh how he's reacting or whatever uh the character that he's interacting with here is this like again play by numbers bond it, it goes back to the um time of the brosnan movies or the the rajam movies where it doesn't really matter what happens to the other characters or to even bond uh, for that matter mm-hmm. you just know okay there's going to be some spectacles and in the end bond is going to come out uh, okay all of uh, out of it being all spotless and has his witty line ready at the end mm-hmm. you're just yeah okay cool so i mean exactly right it feels very hollow compared to the rest of craig's bond filmography okay number 4 specter I think it would be very unusual to find somebody for whom this is not you know by default the least favorite 
at least the least favorite Craig movie, if not one of the least favorite Bond films. Um, I don't know many people who thought it was good. Um, even among the critics, I read a couple of interesting opinions. People who somebody compared it to fine champagne, you know. But uh, um, I don't have a lot to say about this movie. I honestly, Abin said that he, this is something he doesn't mind watching when it's running in the background. It's just something you can switch off and watch. For me, I couldn't switch off and watch it, and I was. I was very deeply into the Craig movies like and I couldn't watch it even just for the sake of watching it. It was for me that bizarre. I mean especially in the mood in which I watched it um maybe I wasn't feeling particularly forgiving but um it has I don't know it feels at times like a pretentious art film which uh, which is something that you can always hit Sam Mendes with. I mean that's always uh you know <laughs> a very low blow but i mean you do kind of see it right um and i i will say this specter makes me for me the entire fascination with specter is this idea of what does craig actually see his bond as because i think one thing that's happened is that with time you've seen uh, daniel craig's influence just increase over the movies that are being made right so in the casino royale as good as it is, you have to remember, I don't think Craig personally had a lot of influence in what was happening. And Spectre for me seems to be symptomatic of this idea that Craig is desperate to, first of all, uh, he treats Bond as something that is um, that needs to be elevated, you know, that needs to be refined, that needs to be made serious or whatever. And I'm not sure I agree with that. Uh, secondly, with all the controversy going on around uh, the next one, um, you know, uh, there was Danny Boyle was on board to direct and there were very strong rumors that apparently uh, Craig especially personally pushed for uh, Bond to be killed off. Uh, again, these are rumors, so there's no point getting deep into it. But to me, if that's true, it's it's quite presumptuous and arrogant for you know, for anybody to want to say that this is it, this was the final version and you're not going to get another. But why why I keep bringing this up is because with Specto, I think there is this idea that A, style means very laid back. So at moments where it's trying to be stylish, um, it goes for a very low key kind of style. There's that car chase, which again, you know, if the rest of the movie around it had been good, I would have been interested by that part. Batista... Uh, so, okay, let me defend Batista for a second here. I like, but I love Batista in a sense. So far, whatever he's done, he is so good. Uh, but I think let's not undersell uh, the fact that he it, he doesn't have a lot to do. Agreed. But there is the stereotype of the classic Bond henchman, and you know Batista. He's a good actor, but he has a great presence, even more than an actor. And I do think the film makes use of that presence quite a lot because uh, you see. Um, I don't know. For me, his presence was, he was without saying anything. He was there, he was menacing, and he was a very, very classic kind of henchman. There was no spin on it, there was no twist on it. You're not supposed to emotionally connect with henchmen, I guess. That makes sense. But just in the sense of being there, and to top it off, he doesn't have any ridiculous, you know, jaws of steel or anything of that sort. And he's still, I think... If the film wasn't so bad, we would we would definitely think of Batista as one of the best Bond henchmen ever. And 
you could argue that maybe he deserves a bigger role but uh, at least in so far as that goes he was very good i think rest of it i don't know i mean the part of the problem is i've not watched it properly i just couldn't sit through it particularly that one scene where he i think there was the scene where he takes out a gun in the dead of the night when he's protecting leia sidu he points the gun at a mouse and he's like who are you for me that was that was the point where it jumped the shark in the sense of how pretentious it's being i kind of did not like it that much at that so yeah number 4 clearly by a huge margin yeah specter uh, the less said about it the better i guess i think we can move on to our number 3 on this list 1 2 3 3 quantum, quantum of solace solace <laughs> yes <laughs> a little off but yeah i knew you were going to solace yeah because okay so quantum of solace was the second entry in the craig era bond directed by mark foster came out in 2008 it stars daniel craig olga kulenko jema atatin uh, it's yeah it stars olga uh, kulenko jema atatin and matthew almerick and just to name a few along with bond and it's possibly the shortest of his bond films it yeah so it it picks up after casino royale it like immediately after casino royale comparisons could be made to license to kill cuz it felt very much like license to kill and license to kill is a, is the dalton bond where uh felix leiter gets um gets mauled by sharks and as a result bond goes yeah. on this vendetta to uh, to avenge him and again so this is bond's revenge tale yeah in in essence and it opens up with this wonderful sequence in sicily and that ends up in a church where people are jumping off of ramparts very well put together but besides that that film has no real character development it's just a craig being furious and and bursting through set piece after set piece nothing to truly invest you in it was my least favorite bond until specter doctor on doctor paran um but yeah I, i don't quite enjoy this film it has a, an interesting opening soundtrack i, I was listening to it the other day and i'm like hmm, i can see why they picked jack white and alicia keys for this but yeah not the film not exactly my favorite i'll tell you something that movie has gotten better for me with every viewing um you know uh, i think a lot of what has to be said has been said but let me put it this way there's a lot of talk about how it's a dull film you know it doesn't have that much going on and it's more like this very efficient delivery package for action set pieces and that is kind of how i saw it initially but i will say this that um, to me it gets interesting and especially when i watched it recently on repeated viewings it gets interesting because it, it is definitely an extension of casino royale but not just in terms of story for me it is kind of a tentative you know not a very one with aplomb but a tentative extension of the emotionality of casino royale as well because it isn't dull i mean in the sense that i struggled to comprehend what specter was doing i didn't have that problem with quantum of solace it seemed to me very much like this movie where bond has shut down because of what happened at the end of casino royale where where bond is um you know in a place where his judgment cannot be trusted and that's a theme that keeps running through between him and m and uh, 
and uh, for me it was also interesting uh, for the relationship between m and m and bond in this is i think the most professional of all of the movies skyfall of course takes it to a much more personal degree as does casino royale to an extent and this is the movie where you really see them in the boss and employee of tar you know and the very disapproving boss yeah no i i i get what you're saying how about the the hotel in the desert though like visually in terms of set what yeah. a place to set the climax in like stark in the middle of nowhere you have this golden hotel insane that was very bond bond like um, in the in like the nice already said that there's a lot of glorious uh references to the previous films yes some stunning cinematography i am a fan of the um the end piece you know with the desert hotel um but i also remember very interestingly that uh, this was uh, the whole theme of the movie the water was the environmentalism the villain who's like this uh, not a very typical bond villain you know he's like a borderline corporate yuppie or you can say he's like a wacky ceo who runs this uh uh environmental ngo or something like that and uh, it, it was bringing in a fair amount of uh, uh, of interesting geopolitical issues from the real world into the bond universe which is something i find interesting again i don't think it is necessarily something that adds to the artistic merit of the film but you know because of that and because of a bunch of issues and because it kind of introduced me to bolivia and uh, looking up bolivian and now i'm a fan of bolivian economics because of this film um i do see that a lot of things are going on in it um there is the death of rene mathis uh, particularly when i talk about just going back to the theme of the emotionality being extended there is this scene where mathis dies his friend and he dumps that body in a dumpster and i also think although this i'm not very sure he shoots the policeman who try to stop him which is you know again bond typically does not in most of his films ever kill a bystander ever kill a person doing his job and i think there is a certain justification that the corrupt policeman or something but it is still a much darker side of the business and he dumps mathis's body in a dumpster and he says this is how he would have wanted it um a very understated kind of thing but uh, there's the bond the bond girl so called who is somebody who's been raped as a youngster by the villain uh, you know and she's just seeking revenge there is no scope for hilarity there is no scope for okay there's no scope for hilarity in any bond film except roger moore but there's no scope for style here this is just fury and anger and for me i find this movie interesting because i'm like this is what if bond wasn't so corny you know uh it sort of is again maybe i think it makes a genuine attempt to sort of hint at the darker side of things in bond but you know it doesn't really explore them because it it sticks to the norms of a bond universe so the focus is on the set pieces the action but there are a lot of other things going on underneath there is a much larger plot obviously but mm-hmm. bond's motivation to kind of unravel it or get to the end of it has little to do with what the organization is plotting it is he's just fueled by the anger at whatever happens at casino royale that said there is there are a couple of nice moments in the movie i feel uh, uh do help us to understand the character a little more but other than that there's the i mean the movie is bereft of any uh, emotional heft so it's just uh 
so just hurtling towards the end and um, again even the bond girl for that matter or the villain don't really uh, leave as much of an impression on you as other movies generally do so mm-hmm. i wouldn't say it's bad it's just underwhelming i think it's an interesting film i personally like it i mean for me there's a huge difference between spectre and quantum of solace i do, i'm not very dismissive of it yeah i just i feel as a direct sequel to kissinger rare where kind as i mentioned is where the story picks up from i was expecting them to do so much more with that movie and uh, it just it, it failed to deliver not just yeah. to my to, to my expectations but to the general ex- expectations that were set by, uh, yeah. by most people and number 2 okay, so two, that was 3 and number 2 two, two rohit i think you agree with me when i say uh, our number my number 2 is probably skyfall as well as yours yes Mm, yes. yes so it's easier yes yeah, just yeah because we've agreed on the last two i'm sure we're going to agree on how this ends so <laughs> <laughs> there are some that argue that skyfall is probably the best of the four i have seen and there are some that argue that it's yeah. possibly the worst of the four uh there were a lot of criticisms that came out of the film that said this wasn't a bond movie this was just um it didn't feel like a bond movie to them and i was like yeah that's exactly why i love this film so much it it felt like a much more yeah. personal personal tale cuz uh, the most personal of the four i would say yeah yeah it I is mean, the most i mean mm-hmm. there isn't much of a bond mission right he's yeah. not out to stop a a, a world changing act or whatever it's it's very personal which bond never is yeah so the cliff notes for those who haven't seen skyfall is mi6 is attacked uh, an old agent or an old like a terrorist that has links to m in the past uh, is now threatening to disrupt the united kingdom as they know it and bond who's retired on a beach played somewhere by, um, yeah played by a very sleazy javier bardem i think bardem is great in this role by the way yeah and yeah. Uh, yeah. and because and bond is lost during a mission where he's presumed dead or they they let him be because he and it takes a bit of a hit while uh, on a mission and they bring him back how is bond maintaining his physique when he is on whatever sabbatical for lack of a better term he's, he's lived knocking back shots after shots he is he, like he's living only on alcohol he's chilling on the beach he still has a six pack i'm like dude come on my, so my like a, a family gut like a beer gut or something dude but yeah it's i assume bond was lifting palm trees uh, when he was away <laughs> <laughs> because that that can only explain just how in shape he is and then he goes back and the, the joke is he goes back and they realize oh he's not in shape he's he's failed every exam that they uh, that the mi6 have but they clear him cuz uh, management quota so that's kind of really mm-hmm. uh, how he ends up even getting through uh, the, the getting through the system but all that aside i i think skyfall is probably one of the more riveting bond watches um it is mm. it doesn't jump around much it does i think it don't they go to hong kong for a fair bit there is a wonderful sequence and i have as we were speaking of roger deakins So it's basically set against the backdrop of Hong Kong's uh, neon lighting, and it's a fight sequence that almost takes place in complete darkness, just uh, being illuminated in small parts thanks to the lighting. And 
holy shit is it is that an impressive sequence so so beautiful it's cinematographic porn <laughs> i mean that's that's the only way to describe it it's i mean you just watch i remember watching skyfall in theaters and when that scene came out i was uh, came on screen i was just like i was literally moaning it's like what is <laughs> happening i'm sure people around you are uncomfortable but um, mm. yeah what a scene even the the whole sequence in that remote island of the coast of japan mm-hmm. uh where obviously uh, the villain kind of whisks bond away to uh, what a dramatic setting so it is a bond film in the best ways mm-hmm. uh, it is not a bond film in the in it is also not a bond film in the best ways if you mm-hmm. if you get what i mean yeah so it it has the dramatic scale the uh, sets that you would expect of a bond movie it more than delivers on those fronts but it is also not impersonal and not uh, you know the story isn't just chugging along there is a reason why everything's happening the reason that you can in, be invested in so yeah i i really love it uh, i really love how the story progresses um, i mean speaking of disgruntled ex employees the extent to which javier bardem is is taking things is I don't think realistically anyone would do that. Uh, that I think that only happens in a Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's legitimately insane. I would feel uh, yeah. he's completely off his rocker in the movie, but um, executed beautifully. And the the last act of the movie is glorious. It oh. it is it is a going back to the roots. It is um, I mean things coming back full circle and uh, Skyfall. Uh, towards the end at least is a very family drama it's mm. it's k3g esque almost in that regard <laughs> but uh yeah, but the payoff actually, is so much fun yeah exactly and uh, i mean not to get into spoiler territory but the way things end it's so perfect i personally feel craig should have stepped out after that because yeah. he also was kind of done with the bond movies i remember he had said in heart of hearts i am done with this franchise mm-hmm. but uh, it, it it everything was tied up so beautifully with the bow he should have just done his three movies and walked away and nobody would have questioned him being the best bond of the lot it would have mm-hmm. just, the, the arc could have been quantum solace notwithstanding the arc could have been so perfect yeah i think two out of three and bad right like as yeah. as me as meatloaf puts it but um Yeah and also like I mean we we spoke about Deacons earlier in the Hong Kong sequence but we have to talk about Deacons um and his his masterful work during the climax of that film because it's set in an isolated mansion somewhere in Scotland right and yeah, yeah. Uh, there is a caretaker played by Abbot Finney so what yeah. so legend has it that they approached Sean Connery for the role and oh my god that would have been I mean the movie has a lot of fan service imagine if conry comes back and that would have, I would have just exploded yeah so conry but conry said i'm old like i i'm not feeling too well i can't do it so the line there's even a line that was written for conry that finney says and uh, where they're about to like engage with with silva's army oh, yeah i know and uh, he says are you ready old man and finney says i'm i i was ready even before you were born and <laughs> which is like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a nice nod if scondry were to do the role yeah 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 it's just i feel judy dench career best m performance in this movie i think yeah. she's 
she had a great chemistry with uh, i mean she she had great chemistry with Pierce Brosnan but i feel she works even better with with Daniel Craig i there's something about just the equation that the two share it's it's very uh mother son like it's almost like yeah yeah the the other it was like with brosnan was more uh em- boss like employer employee exactly exactly, uh, exactly but again it was like there was uh, there was some sort of a, a bond there but this is definitely a lot more personal which Craig's is bond is like the pro- the prodigal son yeah which she keeps like the, the son that always fucks up but she keeps uh giving him chances because she just loves him so much and why when when the, when the climax of the film uh you, when you finally get to it like that emotional gut punch is quite um like is quite heavy right you're like oh wow damn uh, i i wasn't expecting for them to go and go here a lot of people right like there was this genuine uh belief that skyfall when it came out was hailed as the best bond movie of all time and this and that okay here's the interesting part for me i'm not somebody who's read the books i'm not a classic bond fan i know some people who are uh, when i told them i like casino royale they had this problem with casino royale that it it mangles the character of bond that you know while it's a fun movie and everything i not knowing that background there is still Uh, just in terms of movie continuity you know purely from a cinematic angle i find casino royale to be quite still in many ways an evolution but a continuation of the bond tradition uh you know there is this tendency to be intelligent but not not be morose not take things extraordinarily seriously there's a lot of moments for levity and and underneath it all there is also this this sort of like who hoot hoot factor that bond is very much the hero in this because uh, you know he's the wise cracking guy who cannot be disturbed at some level and they 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 take great pains to show you that you know he actually suffers a lot uh, lot of stuff you know when he's being whacked and tortured he still has a comeback and you know that's what makes you want to root for him skyfall on the other hand just even at a cinematic level without knowing the background of bond without really having ever read any of the books feels like a very different movie does not feel very much feels like there's something discontinuous between this and the other bond films in that and for me that's not in a good way because um, uh you know we had this conversation in in the last time when we could do this together that uh, how dark knight is basically just heat Uh, a lot of segments of skyfall not the movie as a whole the end is you know straw dogs and similarly a lot of the segments of it seem seem it seems they seem to sort of do this thing where they are bond but they pretend to be better than bond by sort of discarding some bondisms by sort of bringing in elements wholly alien to the bond uh, what would you say uh the, the 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 i can't think of the right word here you know but you can say this is sort of a disconnect you bring in a lot of foreign elements into that universe where there is this uh, uh the ending particularly for me that the entire last one third is so jarring there is the revenge plot of i wouldn't say the revenge plot there are some genuinely interesting threads that are going on uh, for me again in in uh thematic terms like uh 
there is this idea of the MI6 and the old bond order being obsolete of technology replacing, you know, uh, human discretion and judgment. There's multiple conversations about it. When uh, Bond and Q meet in a in the museum for the first time, they, they talk about how, you know, I can, Q says that I, I can be sitting in my pajamas and do more damage, you know, and uh, occasionally a trigger needs to be pulled and then Bond is like, or not pulled, kind of hard to say. So there is a, a lot of that. There's that, I think uh, the she quotes a poem we had in our ICSC at some point. I'm forgetting which poem it was. I, I think it was Ulysses, although I'm not 100% sure. And um, so, I mean, there's that part of it. There is the Bond not trusting Rail Fiennes character, whereas it turns out Rail Fiennes is a very trustworthy character. You know, there's the dichotomy between Bond and M, sorry, and Moneypenny, who Moneypenny, we see in the beginning, both of them as field agents. And then Moneypenny is just someone who sort of takes that uh, traumatic experience she has and settles down into a desk job and she's okay with it um, and Bond is somebody who just needs to keep pushing and pushing so there's a lot I do like about this film you know there's a reason for me you might say it's an almost tied for number one but it misses it, the sense of genuine fun that Casino Royale has um, which and the second thing is I think a lot of like I said what's interesting about this film for me comes from elements that are sort of not part of the Bond template, you know. So it does a good job with them. Uh, uh, the 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 gunfight on top of the skyscraper that Abin was talking about in terms of cinematography, I actually, uh, I really liked it to an extent. But for me, Sky, the movie as a whole is a lot like that. Um, I liked that particular thing, but I had the session with a friend of mine who happens to be a very, very good photographer and has like a genuine interest in cinematography. And we played like a lot of sections of movies where we loved the cinematography back to back. And this scene does not hold up for a variety of reasons. You know, while it's very well executed, it's a, it is very unclear compared to a lot of other, you know, the other samples we were going through. It's very, um, uh, it's sort of hazy and it's a little bit artificial. I think the problem Akshay, my friend, had with it was more that it relies heavily on artificial and laser lighting, whereas a lot of other things that he's more inclined to, you know, tend to take advantage of natural, whatever. I'm getting a little bit too technical with this, but my point is it was good, but it was not, it was a little bit showy and it was not as good as it, as, uh, it clearly thought it was, which is, again, this is an expression I use a lot, but this is one of my, you know, great sources of complaints with things. Uh, for me, Skyfall is a little bit like that. It's a smart movie. It's an intelligent movie. It's got some good performance. It's got great performances. It's got some really good themes. But a lot of what makes it good, first of all, comes by violating the Bond template or stepping outside it, which to me is sort of a little bit like cheating, you know? Like, if you're not going to do the you know, not doing the whole Bond routine is not something to be proud of. Doing the Bond routine is something to be proud of. And you have to stay in, in within the context and the constraint of those Bond tropes to an extent while still being able to change them, while still being able to challenge them. Uh, Skyfall sort of bypasses so many of them entirely that it feels like a different movie. And for that reason, even though I like it as a film, certainly a lot, I sort of mark it down as a Bond film. And again, I'm, this is as somebody who's not actually 
you know knows much about the original bond i'm just comparing this to the other bond films i've seen no no i i get it i i completely understand it's just that this is a bond film that goes left instead of going right by which i mean obviously there are like tropes that have been set through decades of uh, of movies that have come through the franchise which this film chooses to completely bypass as you correctly mentioned but still it makes for a very enjoyable film it's it's probably a a unique bond film in its own way maybe not as gripping as some of the others that have come before it i personally enjoyed it i think it is in my opinion a phenomenal film not just a bond film a phenomenal film by itself and i really hoped that this would lead to better things with with spectre but ah uh, unfortunately that that wasn't the case mm mm true true Hmm. But okay. But uh, uh, yeah, that leads up to our favorite Daniel Craig Bond movie, yeah. which is Drum Roll. Possibly my my favorite. Uh, I mean, we'll get to. We'll we'll talk about yeah. that when we're ranking up Bond theme songs, but. Uh, but wow dude like Krishna Rao is you know you we have these theatrical viewing experiences that you will always remember you know where you opening were you know sequence. the opening sequence just i know where i was dude like i, I know the day i i walked to the theater i went and watched it alone i i know what clothes i was wearing it's just one of these <laughs> and it was a fair it was uh, um, it was like a weekday i think a tuesday or something we were in between uh, school holidays just such a fun experience i i knew that it was going to be good i had no idea it was going to be that good i had no idea actually going into the movie cuz all i had read about was the the outrage at daniel craig being selected to play bond so i didn't really have any expectations and i hadn't watched any of his previous work or i would have known that he is a genuinely good dramatic actor and will bring to the franchise exactly what it needs i didn't know all of that going into the movie It's like okay, Casino Royale uh, seems to have a lot of fancy uh, poker played in a fancy uh, in fancy rooms. Cool. Okay, that, that's all I know about the movie. Went into it, like you said, I remember exactly sitting in the eighth row of the theater. Mm-hmm. I didn't get great seats. I had to kind of crane my head up <clears throat> to see the entire screen. And given how dynamic that opening scene is, I remember having a, a neck ache at the end mm-hmm. of the scene. And, and i was i wasn't resting back i was actively leaning forward and watching i mean the scene is mm-hmm. that gripping right so yeah. after the conclusion of that scene i remember like falling back into my chair and just being like oof i need a break that entire madagascar chase sequence was one reel so yeah. uh, that like it goes on for a fair bit now i think i've seen the film enough for me to be like you know what i don't need to sit through this all over again but it is impressive mm-hmm. as hell um yeah. even the whole the toilet sequence where um he's it's cutting back and forth between the toilet sequence and him having a conversation with the guy who's selling secrets so well done mm-hmm. and uh, i think this was the first time i noticed that one there weren't any like naked silhouettes on screen and it had been a while since mm-hmm. there were one films without naked silhouettes on screen this film jumps a lot it goes from Yeah, as I mentioned, Madagascar it ends up in Miami at some point. It ends up in obviously Montenegro. It 
also there's a there's a sequence in 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 Venice towards the end yeah but in terms of storytelling actually I've, the first half an hour of the movie half an hour 40 minutes up until you actually get to monaco or montenegro mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of jumping and you need to pay attention to what's happening because a lot of it uh, the first 40 minutes sets up the rest of the movie beautifully the stakes are uh, in this uh, case almost literal the stakes are put on to the table and you know what everyone is uh, playing for and uh, then i think the once you have kind of paid attention to the first 40 minutes you are equipped to enjoy the rest of the movie if you lose any bit of the narrative uh, in in that time then the rest of the movie doesn't hold that sort of weight that it should i feel mm. that's the only prerequisite of really enjoying the movie Yeah, you have to pay attention. It can't be a film you just keep on as background noise. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the the three central characters to the story, which are Bond, Vespaland, and uh, Rashif, what performances? Each and every one of them. Craig was the was the surprise, but the film is carried by Eva Green and Mads Mikkelsen. I think they are both. really really good in this film so take that back i think craig it's himself has has a lens of pretty uh, heavy gravitas towards towards the bond role um there is his his equation with with vesper it begins it begins uh, as something slightly flirtatious even a little fraught at times but you watch it develop and it becomes something truly beautiful that's some that's it's very rare you see that happen in a bond film you it's very rare you see um any of like i mean for a extensive period of time especially during the early 80s and late 70s the women in the film were just there for eye candy even like die another day halle berry's character is is infuriating she's no good yeah. Ros- rosman pike well i think first ever role rosman pike uh wasn't isn't exactly doesn't really have a lot of weight to her character either so it's it's nice when 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 i mean so it's 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 actually very interesting when you have a character like like vesper show up because uh, she says she's the accountant but she is more and she is so much more i think probably one of my earliest on screen crushes i mean not earliest i would say like a dolson on screen crushes ever absolutely 100% like i fell in love with vesper in the character and like you said right she's every bit bonds equal in this yeah. movie and at times even best sim um, there's a very nice scene when um, he's getting his suit so his tuxedo is delivered mm. to, to go play the games and uh, mm. she says uh, i got a tailored one for you and he's like you don't even know what my size is and then he mm. goes in and and he tries and it fits him perfectly and there's this i don't know 10 10 15 second snippet of bond just preening in front of the mirror just just he takes a moment to like yeah i look good i know like <laughs> that, that bit of that moment of that and then he comes out and he surprises and she's like i sized you up the moment we met mm. it's like wow i've never seen a bond girl have such a um, a witty line and she's always the recipient of uh, these witty lines from bond yeah. yeah but yeah like you said she's every bit his his equal and that makes it the, that makes the movie all the more enjoyable and whatever happens makes it all the more impactful she has some of the more memorable lines in the film even accountants can uh, have imaginations uh, yeah 
I am the money and he says every penny of it. Um, <laughs> this is just, it, it's such a wonderful relationship and it's, it's a real damn shame that they didn't, didn't explore more of it in, uh, in the future films. Obviously she, he, she is the central piece around which uh, Craig's bond uh, arc is based on. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I feel like towards the la- latter films, it just started to go away from it. And I feel with no time to die, she's probably going to be completely non-existent. I mean, Vesper Lind is right up there. She's ruined, she's ruined women for me. But also, um, you're just so much of the film, the, the energy, the, the, the kinetic movement, the... Uh, there's something about it like there's just that one shot of the train when they're going to Montenegro it's barely a split second shot with the with the music roaring over uh, you know just the strings hit the you know my name uh, theme and I, it's still seared into my memory like you get the impact like it's only it can be stylish I think in high when I try to think about it, what I think basically there was a lot of talk of how Casino Real is very gritty. When it came out, it was supposed to be gritty and this and that. But basically what it does is it's not gritty in the psychological or a genuine sense, which maybe Skyfall is more of. It uses grittiness as a style, which made sense because, you know, by the time Casino Real had come out, grittiness had become stylistic. Uh, so this Casino Royale is still a very stylistic movie. It's still, for me, it is the modern avatar of whatever Sean Connery wanted to be. So if the idea of style in the 60s was being suave, being unflappable, not breaking a single sweat when staring down a snake who's on your bed, the idea of style around 2006, 2007 was that, you know, you take a beating, you get hurt and you still carry on. Yeah, I mean, I, there, we spoke about this just a little before, like about how much of a thulping Bond gets in this, like from from that bathroom sequence alone, right to um, the final sequence in Venice, he is getting he's ass whooped, and I think because the action and and the violence felt so real, it felt like you could feel each punch and. Credit to the action directors and also to Martin Campbell for sticking with that choice because. Uh, Craig also built himself up like a brute. His physique in in the, in the film is is more brutish. Is he's not like a sleek kind of Bond either. But action aside, this film is built on uh, on characters, and I think Rohit is about to make the point that that I am. So, but yeah, I mean, right from uh, and obviously uh, right from Westphalian to um, even Lashif to, mm. to speak about Mads Mikkelsen's. I would say breakout role for international audiences. Yeah, I don't yeah. think prior to that he was a known name. But uh, what a memorable Bond villain. Again, very understated. He isn't larger than life like most other Bond villains are. He keeps to himself. He's this quiet genius, math whiz, who plays poker to test his math skills or whatever. And uh, he has a quiet menace to him. Uh, especially... Again, a very, very Bond-esque uh, attribute given to the villain where he has a bleeding eye, his tear duct is damaged mm. or something. And just, that's so quintessentially Bond to have mm. your villain just have, he bleeds, I mean, he, he cries blood. Like, wow, amazing. So nice little character touch there. And uh, I think the movie at large would have done wonders for the poker 
gaming industry uh, i mean i'm sure at least people our age in india and i'm sure across the world uh, definitely would have evinced a lot more interest in poker i know i started trying to follow what the game was like and obviously in mba colleges and all you play so i played a bit mm-hmm. there for fun but uh, i've always had the fascination because of the movie and they make it just look so cool right from the way the dealer do you remember when he gets, uh, deals the cards it just slides across that uh, green i don't know what you call it bezel uh, mm. green turf and uh, it's just so smooth and the whole world of gambling in montenegro is so you're just like wow like you're i think wealth automatically makes you swerve in that world <laughs> it is just so smooth in the movie and the whole deconstruction of uh, what a vespa martini is the uh, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. scene as well mm-hmm. so there's a lot of nods yeah there's a lot of nods to the bond mythos but it's not lazy and obvious it it's thought through and uh, it's very nuanced which is again you appreciate those moments a li- uh, that little bit more also it has one of the more controversial bond sequences right in terms of and it was quite <laughs> caused quite the, fl- the the flutter when it was first announced so the whole sequence with with a carpet beater that is uncomfortable to watch i'm not going to lie even till today i, I kind of like whinge a little bit whenever every time i see it yeah. but yeah craig's bond i think i i and i think we we spoke about this at the top of the episode no bond has been beaten up as much as craig's bond was cuz every yeah. fight you really feel each blow you really feel his bones crack and i feel and craig himself has uh, said that he broke several bones damaged a couple of ribs while shooting uh, for, for the film he ma- mentions that bond is physically extremely demanding especially the, the role for him which is why he has now come to a point where he just doesn't want to do it anymore i think the studio mm-hmm. have have squeezed one out of him and i hope it's the last cuz he's not getting any younger either and i and i i really wanted idris elba to like take up the role but it, that's i don't think like, he's getting any younger either either so i think it it probably will be cavill uh in in the near future i feel cavill will have three franchises to his name and no one can say shit about it because he's good in all of them um one second bit of a contentious opinion here but i don't know if the cavill of today would suit bond he's just too huge now man he's he's not human anymore <laughs> humans aren't built like that him and chris hemsworth like they are the they're one they've already you know they're halfway to the next step of human evolution but In hemsworth drops sense, i don't know hemsworth can drop it and you you've noticed hemsworth hemsworth's physique is very rarely bulk he's lean he's got his lean mass would have you seen thor love and thunder he, oh, and he's doing the hulk hogan biopic now Right after oh. Love and Thunder, he's doing the Hulk Hogan biopic, so he's beefing up for that as well. Oh, he nice. has two arms now. Chris Hemsworth <laughs> has two arms. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that same. I mean, I think he was perfect casting for uh, the Witcher show, uh, playing Geralt of Rivia. You know, because Geralt of Rivia is comically big, hmm. uh, and you have uh, Henry Cavill play, playing that perfectly. To me now. is this like is born living in the gym if henry cavill's born is like is born is he just living in the gym how is he so buff that's I feel, what i feel 
I feel he like his audition for it was in The Man from Uncle. Yeah, he plays an American agent there, but I, I feel no, he has no because the 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 Cavill that audition back in two thousand six would have been the Cavill who was in stuff like The Tudors, where he was mm. much his stature was. I mean, he was a believably big guy and mm. not like a superhuman freak. But yeah, he was great in Man from Uncle. Mm. Uh, to it, your point, absolutely mm. agree. So yeah, I think uh, any anything more to add on on Krishna Rao that you that you may have. Not getting into spoilery details, not much. I mean, I have so much to talk about what actually happens in the movie, but we shouldn't. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that disservice to listeners. In case you haven't checked uh, checked out Casino Royale, a what rock have you been living under? Mm-hmm. And we please rectify that huge mistake as soon as possible. Uh, such such a guarantee you, you will love it. Yeah, it's yeah. not streaming on any platform in India, as far as I know. Which is none of the Bond films are streaming anywhere. Which is. Quite, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure broccoli pictures are being assholes about rights as yeah. they usually are. Huh. Hulu had them all, had every single one for a while, and then they removed them. I don't know where they've gone since. Oh. Um, but but yeah, uh, I think we'll we'll quickly take a look at uh, the Bond theme songs before we uh, conclude the episode. So give me. I mean, we don't have to go through all four. Maybe I, in terms of. My three and four are fourth is possibly another way to die, which is from Quantum of Solace. It, mm. it feels like a very jarring Bond entry, but it's because uh, it's got like it's it's Jack White and Alicia Keys, so there's there's drums and electric guitars. It does not feel yeah, like Bond. It's, it's very drum. weird. It's mm. it's like ska music. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't even heard ska music. It's like what I imagine ska music. To be. <laughs> I don't think ska music sounds like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm, Fairly certain it doesn't, but that's what ska and that's the vision of ska I have in my mind. It's just uh, it's not even uncomfortable. It's just you're just like why? It's so it's yeah. Like, yeah. It, I think it has its own charm, but it, it's it's fourth on my list. Three is from Spectre, the writing uh, writing on the wall, which by by Sam Smith. I don't like the song at all. I mean, I I, I do. I feel. The the title sequence gives it a, a lot more leverage than the song does. The song is just overproduced and uh, a very Japanese title sequence. All that hentai octopus porn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, correct. And this, and and a naked Daniel Craig throughout. He's like, okay, I, why the yeah. woman just naked? Mm-hmm. I will be naked too. <laughs> uh, but, and uh, it's just. I don't know. I find that to be a very it's it's, it's very nicely produced. I would actually put uh, "No Time to Die"'s opening theme song ahead of it. I think I wasn't really on board with Billy Irish being brought on to sing uh, the, the title song. It's not a half bad song. I like it. Yeah, I, I quite like it too. I, it, it grew on me. Yeah. Like when I first listened yeah. to it, I wasn't a big fan of it, but it, but upon several listens, it, it, it did grow on me. There's there's almost there's like a very nice tinge of finality attached to that song, and I yeah. feel uh, it, it, it's a better I, song. I hope so. Like, please <laughs> don't like, let the man go. <laughs> yeah, dude, like it's fine. Let him. He he's, he has given it all. Given it is all. Just let him go. Number two. Number two is Skyfall. This is yeah, yeah. Agree. I just I feel. This, I, this is, I mean, there have been plenty of people who've put this up in their top ten Bond, top five Bond songs ever, and I can't fault them for it. Because yeah. when 
when i first I have nothing came, against skyfall it's a it's a it's an amazing outstanding song it just yeah. it just so that the number one is the number one but number one yeah it's just it is it is a very haunting song it won the oscar for best song as well so it was yeah i mean <laughs> what is wrong with us sabin <laughs> i i just i just feel uh, and it has a wonderful title sequence with it as well it like as bond falls into yeah, the into it is it is it is a beautifully shot sequence and i remember very solbas solbas esque yeah, very solbas esque and uh, i was i i enjoyed that song i i was i in preparation for this episode i listened to all four of them uh, back to back just to make sure i i knew what sat where uh, i love skyfall i really do it and adele's on top this is like this is her I'm top a, of her game yeah the her top team. of her game yeah she she is just like she is hitting those notes um with with immaculaties right it's just she's so good in in that song but my number one and will one of possibly yeah. yeah will always be you know my name from krishna rayal it's just yeah. everything everything about that song it uh it's just as much as i i appreciate uh, adele's uh, talent and ability i for me chris cornell just blows everybody out the, out of the water i have never seen him had a four octave range yeah i have i was just getting into it i've never seen someone shift octaves with with such is his cover of a day yeah. in the life in my opinion is better than the actual day in the life <laughs> which is blasphemy to a lot of beatles fans but dude the, the man's voice is pure heaven and yeah. i didn't even know who he was when in in 20, 2006 i was and discovered sound on that no i mean yeah. i i i my introduction to him i'm ashamed to say it was audio slave nothing against the band per se but i mean when you listen mm. to his work with sound garden Yeah, I just feel sad. I didn't discover them first, but yeah, I, that was my introduction to Chris. It was about the same time I had just started getting into uh, Audio Slave, and I was like getting into Chris Cornell, and the movie came out. And in fact, I remember that was the reason I was in. That was the only reason I was interested about the movie mm-hmm. was because Cornell was doing the song. That was the only oh, thing I had registered in my mind. Otherwise, I was like, yeah, okay, Bond movie because I had no expectations. Hmm. I was like, let's see what it is. This was the one thing I'm like, okay, I'm sure I'll at least enjoy the. opening sequence that will be fun because it's Cornell. I I don't think there's ever been a Bond song like that ever. Yeah, it's so rock like it's out and out there's, there's no Bond uh, I don't know how you put it. See, it doesn't I feel am, like a Bond song. I am notoriously uh I mean I'm I'm one of those guys yeah pure I'm I'm notoriously pure so I expect so in Bond when it I I kind of expect a British cast and um you know like even a, a british song stress or a singer it depends on so when adele happened i was like yes okay this is sam mendes directing uh, adele uh, and obviously yeah it's yeah. very quintessential <laughs> ralph fiennes and all yeah ralph fiennes naomi harris like proper bond right bond means bond <laughs> so, so also quick uh, that reminds me the suits in skyfall oh my god yeah i don't know my god oh my god Yeah. Just, But yeah, coming uh, back, <laughs> coming back to so, I, I feel Cornell's even the the lyric the the lyrical composition of Cornell's song is better than all the others. Skyfall is a nice sounding song, but it's like if yeah. you listen, pay attention to the lyrics. It's it's pure nonsense. This is the What end. Hold, I, hold your breath like, and count to ten. 
feel no, me no, wrong. No. So the whole yeah. the whole theme of the song is like I am this deceptive guy and uh, I'm I'm bad. Like if you try and stick around with me, I'll also take you down. And I don't know. The coldest run, the coldest blood runs through my veins. You know my name. No, I'm talking about Skyfall. I'm talking about Skyfall's lyrics being. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Oh, dude, you know my name's uh, lyrical composition is exceptional. I've yeah, seen diamonds yeah. cut through harder men. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's try yeah, to hide yeah. Skyfall. Yeah, it's it's not doesn't make too much sense. Skyfall doesn't, you're right. Let it crumble. It's like Asterix's worst song come to life. So it's like eating eating a biscuit in slow motion. Skyfall. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> she, they're like nobody but her voice I mean yeah. she could she could abuse you right and you'll just oh. be like wow <laughs> but yeah Cornell's song is, even how it concludes in the film where it uh, Bond is given double O status and it flips yeah. with him yeah and it, it, him's walk, it fits with him walking through this little Windows Media Player thing that they've got going but it's like it's, it's a cartoon it's like this cartoonified version of him and then it fades into him and then back to the cartoonified version of him and no no naked women either so you don't need like that to, to buff up your <laughs> opening yeah, title yeah. sequence and the lines like try to hide your hand forget how you feel oh, life is, is yeah. gone and just no, to spit no, off a no, no, wheel like you've used gambling references perfectly for Casino Royale and the lyrics also make sense to what the character is in the movie I was like how sheer genius man if you come inside things will not be the same when you return to the night so it's just yeah I can talk about the song for so long yeah I feel like we have spoken about the song for so long so I guess (laughs) I guess we should stop people are like we signed up for a Bond podcast Chris Cornell literally happening shut the fuck if you Chris Cornell was amazing I regret not seeing him live and I just hope he's he was happy like he's found happiness wherever he is uh, on, yeah. on that on that note, uh, this brings an end to the to the Craig arc of the Bond series. We'll be returning back at some point to discuss maybe Brosnan as well as Roger Moore. I feel the Roger Moore episode might just be too. Uh, I mean, maybe a two part series because he just signed up for anything and everything. He had such a great start <laughs> as Bond. Uh, Live and Let Die is is in my opinion a very unique Bond film. There's, there hasn't been a movie like that since. But the the latter years where he was 60 and he was romancing women, uh, maybe 40 years younger than him, was just creepy. Moonraker. Moonraker is just like, oh my God. I mean, but, he's more like cradle, cradle robber in that movie. But So, uh, I mean, before, before I... I, I think there is only... I know this is... I know this isn't a, a Roger Moore episode, but I feel... Uh, like the best way to conclude this episode is, is with a Bond story. And even though it's not Craig, it is, it's a Roger Moore story and it came out the day he passed. I'm not sure if, if you, if you know of this. So the day he passed, uh, one of the people, there was a guy on Twitter who put out a tribute saying, I was really into Bond growing up. And, uh, I was in the, when I was seven years old, I met Roger Moore at an airport and, uh, and then when I kind of, I was with my grandfather and I was trying to muster up the courage to go and get an autograph from the man. And eventually uh, I convinced my grandfather to, to come with me uh, to go meet Mr. Moore. And 
so my grand uh, so my grandfather took me he, mr mo was very gracious he signed and signed gave me his autograph and and i left and when i as i was leaving i looked at the autograph and it said from mr roger from uh, from roger more and not bond and i burst out into tears cuz to me he was james bond so i told my grandfather and my grandfather had, who had no idea what james bond was took me back to uh, mr more and told and his grandfather started and my grandfather started complaining saying hey he says uh, he thinks you're bond but you're someone else uh, what's the meaning of this and roger more clocked it and didn't uh like i mean cuz he realized what was happening so he leaned mm-hmm. into uh to, to this guy and said of course um uh, it's me but you don't know where blofeld's men are so i just had to like uh, sign under my uh, uh you know uh, under my my fake name just to maintain some sort of uh this thing secrecy and this guy was really con- happy convinced wow. <laughs> went went on his merry way years later he was working as a a audio technician uh, for a company and they were interviewing Roger Moore so in between takes he spoke to Roger Moore and said um Mr Mr Moore I, I I'm sure you don't remember but when I was 7 years old I ran into you in an airport and this is how the incident unfolded and uh, he was Mr Moore was like in the 80s uh, it was in his late 80s at this point he said I'm sorry I don't recollect the memory but i'm really happy that it gave you um uh you know like like you really treasure that moment the way the way you do and he said yes it was all well and good and they were packing up to leave and as he was leaving mr roger mo came to him and said of course i remember that incident but i didn't know who in the studio would have been one of blofeld's men so i had to keep it secret just <laughs> so you know and and then he just uh, and and that and that guy and that technician just almost burst into tears he said that was that was just how how wonderful a man he really was he was his bond could be like slightly weird a little bit here and there but uh, what but such I a wonderful think, guy um, more knew the 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 joy that bond brought to people's lives and he mm. tried to do his part to keep up that uh, yeah, that image that image and uh, that uh, illusion for the fans so mm. yeah what a nice story yeah Okay, that brings an end to this episode. We'll be back again next week. What are we talking about? Do you know? Do you know? Okay, we'll figure it out. No idea. <laughs> yes, we will. We will. I mean, we'll know. Yeah, take care, guys. Take care. Take Have care. a good one.